Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Genevieve Howland of MamaNatural.com and the author of a, a wonderful, amazing, huge pregnancy Bible called The Mama Natural, a week-to-week guide to pregnancy and childbirth. It's got everything from finding doctors, checkups and screenings. I mean, everything from food and recipes to what do I do before I get pregnant, after I have the baby? And it's really an amazing book filled with wonderful illustrations, and I just love it. So I wanted to have Genevieve on the show today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Al. Thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about this. This book is all really about how you can optimize a natural childbirth, if that's the choice you can go down. What led you to get into this topic and write about it? Uh, Well, that's a great question because I never really wanted to write a book, frankly. I didn't envision that for myself. Um, But it really was when I was got pregnant, basically. And, you know, I was following kind of a natural diet. I was eating really clean. Um, I lived just like a really pure lifestyle. So when it came to birth, I was like, okay, I probably should look into this natural birth movement. And, you know, but I still wasn't really excited about the idea because, you know, so many depictions of birth are so scary and so painful looking. But um, I watched The Business of Being Born, which is an awesome documentary by Ricky Lake. And it really opened my eyes like, wow. So it went kind of from me being like, well, maybe I want to do natural birth to yes, I need to give it all that I've got. Um, And so then I started doing research like, okay, what kind of things do I need to do to support myself? And you know, I found a midwife, which is really important. I got in a birth class, um, but there wasn't a ton of stuff out there, at least from online perspective, and then also from books that could guide me through. So that's really when I realized, I'm like, there's a hole in the marketplace. Like, there is not a week by week book because that's just I needed something that was in digestible chunks versus just kind of this overall book on natural birth. Um, So I wanted a week-by-week book that was from a natural perspective, and there really wasn't anything out there. So I'm like, okay, I need to write this book because I just, I would have loved it when I was pregnant. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, uh, this is probably the the book you were looking for. You couldn't find it, so now you had to write it. That's how it worked with mine. Um, Let's talk, let's go from the beginning a little bit. So because one of the things... um, might have touched on briefly on this podcast with other guests before is the whole idea of, well, you know, you you get into like clean up the medicine cabinet, you know, let's look at the chemicals in the house, right? Of course, this seems logical to probably everyone listening. But if you have the opportunity to, let's uh, assuming you haven't gotten pregnant unplanned, and you have the opportunity to do this, I always think it would be such a great idea in this world to detox oneself maybe before you do get pregnant, right? You know, try to clean out the internal house before then. And, you know, you give some great tips there. What are some things, you know, on that end? People who are thinking about, you know, they're trying to get pregnant either right now actively, uh, obviously aside from taking the prenatal and doing things, you know, uh, what are some things a, a woman can do to, to, you know, clean out and make sure everything's prepared for baby? Yes. 
Well, I think most of your listeners are following an awesome diet, but obviously that goes without saying, you know, getting rid of GMOs, trying to eat as much organic food as possible, or at least doing like the clean 15 kind of thing. Um, so definitely the diet is really important and just keeping your blood sugars balanced throughout the day. So you're not swinging wildly from, you know, high to low blood sugar. Um, also just looking at like your stimulants. I mean, that's the thing that was really nice when I did get pregnant compared to some of my high school buddies. Um, you know, I didn't have to like make a lot of lifestyle changes in terms of giving up alcohol or cutting out caffeine and stuff like that. So there's nothing wrong with caffeine when you're pregnant, but you want to start, you know, kind of looking at that and being sure you're not drinking too much. You know, a general rule is like a cup of coffee a day is probably okay. And it's a good amount of caffeine. Um, And then in terms of alcohol, you know, if you drink every night, you know, you obviously want to kind of peel that back slowly. Cause I just think make it easy on yourself. You know what I mean? Make it a gentle process so that when you, you do get that big fat pregnancy test, it's not hard. It's not, it's not, you're not going through withdrawal. Um, so those would be some things. To- right. You're not going through like, you know, morning sickness and withdrawal <laughs> at the same time from going. <laughs> that would be like a double whammy. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the last thing you need. So, um, yeah, so I would say, you know, looking at that kind of thing. And then of course, you know, using the most natural products for everything from deodorant to lotions and stuff like that. Like you don't want to be bleaching your teeth or, you know, lightening your skin with certain things and stuff like that. So just keeping it really simple beauty products. I also think, you know, one of the greatest ways that women can kind of prepare their bodies is really look at their own menstrual cycle. Um, I really believe that we're designed to have a menstrual cycle every 28 days, that we're not supposed to have severe cramping, bloating, um, PMS, acne, um, and things like that. Now, that's the ideal, right? And so trying to, you know, get to a place where you're balancing your hormones, where you're a monthly cycle is consistent and regular and it's not painful. I mean, I think that alone can be a huge help because that's just an indicator that you're in good balance so that when you do get pregnant, you're not going to have the overwhelming morning sickness and the over, you know, scares of miscarriage and things like that. Um, so I like, I like that suggestion on, you know, looking at one's hormonal cycle and if there's some things that are not pleasant there or over, overly symptomatic, that that might be the opportunity to work with a functional doctor or do something in a way where you can try to balance that or improve those PMS symptoms, et cetera, and get, get a cycle going for a few months that might be a little bit easier. I, that sounds totally great. Yeah, exactly. What about, um, you know, God, this honestly, this book is so great for anyone out there that knows someone who's about to get pregnant, thinking about it, or you are yourself. This is so le- so clearly laid out. That's what I love about it. I like how you have it in pieces and everything is so clear and with great illustrations that really help you understand what's happening. Um, a couple of things that I want to talk about in here. There's so, I mean, you have everything from how to choose maternity you know, clothes for, for eating issues that could come up. I mean, everything, excuse me, everything is covered in here. I want to talk about like, give us a rundown of, you know, so many people these days. And I've heard from some pregnancy experts that cesareans have increased, not just for choice and convenience on the, you know, on the part of the, the, the mother, but also because there's a lot more breached babies because back in the day when women all we had to do was sort of just be pregnant, sit around the pond with a bunch of other pregnant women. And now we're working, we're taking care of families, you know, it's a different ball game. And I've heard that that has kind of 
disconnected us or maybe we're not connecting enough with that fetus in order for it to turn around in time. And I know hypnosis and other things are valuable with that, but could you give us reasons why someone really might want to consider a natural childbirth if they are afraid of it or just don't want to do it? Because there are benefits and I'd love you to talk about those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first, I just want to kind of break it up into two sections. So first of all, in terms of breech babies, and it's really more like malpositioned babies. And this is like a huge passion point for me because after I went through my first birth, it was so hard. It was so unbelievably painful. It was 27 hours. It was so intense. Um, and the thing that's so awesome is the minute you give birth, then you're like, what was that? You have like amnesia and you would do it all over again. So, I mean, it's so cool the way our bodies are designed, but I didn't realize how intense it was going to be. And I wish someone sat me down and like looked me in the eye and be like, you need to seriously train for this. Like you can't just, it's very, very rare that a woman would stumble into a natural childbirth. Okay. Because it's too, it's too challenging. It really is. And that's why women used to give birth with a community of women. They were supported. They were with these women who were trailblazers who had done it before, who could really coach them and counsel them on this process. And it is a very natural biological process. We're designed to give birth, um, but it doesn't come intuitively in the way that you think it would. You know, it's kind of like... I, so you have to create that community. You have to manufacture what once was in how it was meant to be. Exactly. And the thing is too, you know, when I was pregnant with my first child, I was working in corporate America. I sat at a desk for eight hours a day. I sat in my car for an hour commute both ways. You know what I mean? So this is not how our bodies were designed to move and to be in our, you know, in the world. So you have to work against our modern society. So, you know, if you are a worker, you know, in an office or whatever, sit on a birthing ball or one of those big, you know, exercise balls. That alone can help engage your pelvis. It's going to give you better alignment. Um, you also can go to a Webster chiropractor during your pregnancy. I did that with my second pregnancy throughout the whole entire um, time. And it was phenomenal. These people are designed or are trained to help women in pregnancy to keep their pelvises open and keep those muscles loose and balanced. Um, so that's something that you can do. You know, even if you do work in an office, it's like get up and walk every 10 or 15 minutes, you know, go to the bathroom, go to get a drink of water, find something to do. Um, you know, during your lunch hour, go for a walk and do things that work against the way we're sitting, you know, cause the second time around, I mean, second births are generally easier because you kind of have done it before and your body knows how to do it. Um, but I was walking around, I was going to the park with my little toddler, I was moving all day. And I think that really did help me when it came to giving birth. Um, and so, and also in our book, we talk about special exercises that really open up your pelvis because that's really where you want to focus. So I do think that birth, I mean, studies show that birth has gotten longer, you know, and it is a little bit harder, I think, partially because we are not um, as active. So that's something you can definitely do to make it easier on yourself. You know, I'm all about making it easier. If there are things that we can do to make this experience easier, let's do it, right? Um, and so... Yeah, and on that note, I want to get into swimming for a second um, and speaking of exercise because so I'm, I'm a swimmer and over the years, I have seen several pregnancies <laughs> throughout my swing, you know, women coming to the pool to swim. And I talk to, you know, every time I see a pregnant woman and I, I chat with them about it, Every single one of them over the years has been like, oh my God, you don't understand. This feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all just like, oh my God, I can't wait to get in the water, relieve the pressure, you don't understand. It's the best thing in the world. And then I actually had a great, a really interesting experience. I was swimming regularly through a month throughout her uh, a woman throughout her pregnancy. And then she was quite large. And one day in the locker room before we went swimming, I said to her, um, hey, you know, when are you due? 
And she, and, and the hospital was across the street. And she literally said, well, I'm going to go for a swim and then I'm going to walk across the street and I'm going to deliver this baby. And I said, how do you, I said, how do you know that? And I said, how do you know that? She goes, you know what? This is my third one. I can kind of tell. I, I knew it was going to happen today. I could feel it. I called my doctor and said, can I go for one more swim? I'm like, you are a rock star. She went to take a swim before she went to go get birth. And I thought, what a way though. I love to her. loosen up and stretch it. I know I yes. love this woman. And then I saw her with her three children and I thought she is amazing. Wow. But I, I love the idea of swimming. Of course, chlorine is not fun and you can slather yourself with coconut oil, you know, before you go in to protect yourself. But let's talk about swimming. That's such a wonderful thing. Absolutely. You know, and it's so funny that you mentioned that because yes, a lot of women love to take, you know, s- swimming aerobics and to just to get into the water. If you have a natural body of water nearby, that's even better, you know, as long as it's clean. Um, or a saltwater pool, or like you said, use a little coconut oil, a little bit of, you know, non-GMO, um, uh, vitamin C you can put on your body. But anyways, it is really beneficial. It, it gives you that weightlessness. And um, for some women, it can help, again, another malpositioned baby to get into a better position because it helps just your whole body move and for baby to move. Um, and the other thing about water, it's a wonderful tool during birth. So, you know, in studies, it's like, it can be just as effective as like, you know, narcotics. So women love, or they're just drawn to the water when they're pregnant, but even when they're giving birth. So you can have a water birth. You know, when I was um, in my first birth, I used um, kind of targeted water. I was in the shower and had the water like hit my back because I had really bad back labor and it felt amazing. Like it worked better than anything else that I used. Um, so you mean you sat, you sat in the tub in the shower and had warm water falling on yes. your back as you were. Okay. Yes. It was amazing. And then, um, a lot of women love giving birth. You know, they'll go through transition, which is a really intense time, um, in the tub and they'll actually deliver in the tub. You know, for me, I felt better on land. So every woman is going to be different, but it, water can be a huge natural, uh, pain relief tool that you can use during birth. And you do go into detail about how to find, you know, the right people for water births. You detail exactly what to do if you're looking for that. So you don't just, you know, gloss over it. You really give details on what kind of practitioner you need to seek out, et cetera, which I, I love. Let's get into midwives. What is it? What the hell is a midwife? I mean, you know, (laughs) right. Or doula, like get into midwife and doula because honestly in LA, it's everywhere and maybe not for the rest of the country, but if you could talk about those two. Okay. So I love midwives and doulas. They are amazing. And really, if you want a natural childbirth, if you want, if you're having a low risk, you know, uncomplicated pregnancy, definitely go with a midwife and you definitely want to have a doula. So a midwife um, is a trained birth professional. She is um, going to, she's going to basically be kind of what an OBGYN would be in terms of helping you deliver the baby. Um, the only thing that a midwife cannot do is do surgical birth. So if you did end up use, needing a C-section, most midwives work in partnership with an OBGYN so that you could get transferred and get the care that you need. Um, it's so funny that you Let me ask you that this. real quick though, because yeah. so let's say I'm... Okay, so midwife could be, it's not always a home birth, right? So a midwife could be with you at the hospital. So we're not talking about like a midwife and an OBG when at your house, but I guess I guess you would already know, mm, it, that would be a risk. Okay, so let me tell you, I think I would, my uh, projected fear would be, okay, I have the midwife ready to go, the baby's not breached, it looks good, we're at my home, and then what the hell happens when 
shit goes down <laughs> if yeah, it goes, yeah. if it goes down. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the chances of that happening are super, super slim. This is the biggest fear of everyone having a home birth, but home births are actually very safe for low risk pregnancies. Um, and you know, you obviously want to be close to a hospital. They usually say about a half hour away, including traffic or weather conditions and things like that. But generally speaking, those there's very few true emergency C-sections where it's like, ah, we got to go right this second, or this okay. is going, you know, usually it's a progression and you know, you're stalled baby's heart rate, you know, starts acting funky. There are signs that are going on, you know, but, and, but frankly, most transfers to hospitals at home births are because the mom says, you know what, I want an epidural. That's usually how moms are transferred to a hospital or to a place. It's not because it's an emergency situation. They've got to get their ASAP. You know what I mean? Um, but if you don't feel comfortable, I mean, I was kind of where you were at. I wanted kind of the best of both worlds, like the Goldilocks solution. And that's why I did a birthing center because it, actually it was a birthing center within a hospital. So if I needed immediate care, I was right there in the right place. But it had all the benefits of, you know, a homey, you know, big queen size bed where I could labor and a big bathtub and all the tools. And, you know, it was. A so is that really the distinction then on birth centers versus just straight up hospital births is that they are. I mean, what's just nicer, more comfortable? Yeah. I mean, I, the birth centers, um, some are isolated, like standalone birth centers, and then some are within hospitals. But birth centers, some women just don't want to give birth at home because it can be messy because they might not have all the tools like birthing bars and squatting stools and things that, you know, peanut balls and stuff like that. Um, so they prefer just to go to a place, get it done. And also just like if they have other children at home and stuff like that, they kind of want to, you know, have their space to give birth and then get that aftercare, you know, at this birthing center where they can, you know, just relax and sleep and bond with the baby. Um, so some moms feel comfortable with that. I mean, they've done studies. It's like birth center births for low risk pregnancies are actually safer than hospital births. Um, because unfortunately a lot of hospitals, I mean, they are coming from an intervention focused, you know what I mean? Um, experience. So and the more interventions you have, the more risk of complications and it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. So, um, but I would love just to back up too and say, why on earth would anyone want a natural birth? You know what I mean? Like if you can have an epidural and it can take away the pain, you know what I mean? Why would you want to do this? So there's actually lots of really powerful reasons why you want to have a natural childbirth if you can, if that's something that you want. Again, if you want to have, you know, Pitocin, you want epidurals, that's your prerogative. What this book is about is empowering moms, educating them, and then they can make their own choice. Um, but really when we allow natural birth to unfold, it happens in a way that um, just supports the baby and the mom. And so some of that uncomfortability and the pain that we feel and the intensity triggers oxytocin, which is basically our body's natural painkiller, to be released. And so if you start interfering with that by giving it your body an epidural or by going on pitocin or things like that, you are going to, you can um, kind of short circuit that and your body's not going to be releasing and flooding these positive you know, feel good kind of pain relieving chemicals into your body. Um, also just the whole natural birth process is so beneficial for baby because as he's coming through the birth canal, all of that fluid that's in his lungs is being squeezed out. He's picking up good bacteria from mom's, you know, um, vaginal canal as he's coming out. And they show in studies like babies, you know, C-section babies, have higher risks for allergies, asthma, inflammatory bowel disease, you know, diabetes, obesity, arthritis, even cancer. Okay. So Yeah, and this is something Dr. Perlmutter had talked about as well, about um, you know, that natural process and and how you are again, like you're coding, you're basically like 
providing immunity. Yes. Yes. That that gook on the baby is a positive thing we did not think about 20 years ago. No one really, right? No one's yes. really talking about that benefit. Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. And I also have heard from, we have a, a primal coach, uh, dental surgeon guy, Dr. Dan, and he talked about breastfeeding and how it's, if you can do natural breastfeeding, it's optimal in creating the roof of the mouth and the jaw of the baby in the way that the breast lays in there. And so, you know, these are all things that, you know, we're, we're kind of all realizing now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, what just frustrates me is, you know, like I went out to lunch with some of my girlfriends. I think four out of five of them ended up with a C-section, which was just shocking to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Um, and it was pretty similar. Like all of them went past their due date. They got induced. You know, their their baby and their body wasn't ready to give birth. I mean, it's classic. Most women do not give birth, especially their first time birth, you know, right on their due date or before. So anyways, they got induced, they get on, you know, the Pitocin, it starts creating these really strong contractions, it's painful, they get an epidural, then it slows the system down, it slows the contractions, they fail to progress, and this is this whole cascade of interventions that maybe you've heard of, and then it ends up with a C-section, and the thing that bothers me is like a lot of doctors aren't saying, you know, sharing, like here are the risks associated with all these different interventions. And here's why we want to work against those if we can and yada, yada, yada. And that's really where a doula comes in. Remember how we talked about that? A doula is going to be your birth coach. Okay. So a doula is with you a lot earlier than an OBGYN would be or a midwife. So like, for example, when I got, you know, started to go into labor, I would text my doula and she's the one that really starts to coach me. And I remember with my first birth, I went through the night labor. So the midwife is more as the physical help during the labor. Exactly. I mean, midwives can be incredible and they're very good like with the pushing stage and coaching with that. And of course they have, but they really, you know, help to bring the baby into the world and they perform stitching and stuff like that. But the doula is more of like your companion, your coach, your um, just partner basically. And that's so huge when you're, you know, in labor And it's like, if it wasn't for my doula, I probably would have shown up to the hospital at like one centimeter dilated because I had no clue. You know what I mean? And she's like, honey, you're not even close. She's like, call me in two hours, get in the bath and relax. You know, I'm like, okay. So, um, and then I call her back a couple hours later. Okay. I don't know. And she's like, the fact that doctors must love doulas because they're like the point of like the calm down. They're not getting all these calls. Totally. Totally. And like studies show doulas, you know, are really, really helpful. In fact, a lot of, you know, insurance will even cover them because they are associated with just better births, less, you know, Pitocin, less C-sections, less, you know what I mean? They really are, you know, study driven in terms of being beneficial for moms. And, um, and so she was the one that would just, she's like, the fact that you can even talk to me is a sign that you're not that close, honey. You know, when it's, she's like, the fact that you even had the energy to text me, it means that you're not even exactly. close. <laughs> exactly. So I actually, my first birth, I went in and I was five centimeters dilated and, um, you know what I mean? When that was kind of my goal to be at least five centimeters dilated and I was able to continue to progress, but they are huge. So I highly recommend it. You know, it's definitely an investment. But, you know, if you're with a partner that's more cost conscious or if you're on a budget, just know, like, because of all the ways they can reduce other interventions, they actually can save you money. And um, and they really help your partner. Like, my husband was so grateful for the doula because he was so blown away and overwhelmed and concerned. He didn't know what was going on. And so having someone... And that- frankly, women, I mean, like, if you've been through... we all, all, all women have been through the stuff with our gynecological stuff and guys are not necessarily, you know, we've been through some pain. We understand this. We bleed once a month. Like it's a little bit, maybe I get having a woman there, right? I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming of course for your husband as well, that there's someone to kind of coach and help him breathe. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
Let's talk about the oxytocin released. I've heard this before, including from my own mother, actually, (laughs) that some births can be orgasmic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It makes you feel amazing. And that's why like after a woman gives birth, she is like euphoric. I mean, it's truly like an otherworldly experience and they call it the magical hour after you give birth because you're bonding. Hopefully you're, you know, holding your baby skin to skin, which even boosts that oxytocin even higher. But a mom's system just floods her with this oxytocin is the bonding hormone. It's the feel good hormone. It's the lovemaking hormone. I mean, it really is powerful. And that doesn't get flooded when you're doing a C-section is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Or- it's, the output is not the same when you start interfering with the hormonal cascade by giving them per- Pitocin, by giving them, you know, an epidural, all of those things can short circuit and they're not being, you know, released in the way that it should be. So, um, Yeah. Oxytocin is what you want. You want that flooding. You want it, it, it running through your veins and also your baby. Your baby actually releases oxytocin too. So interesting. Um, I want to get into this. There's so much great information in here. We clearly couldn't cover nearly even a quarter of it. I want to just, um, I want to go through a couple of, uh, like, for example, what's a good, we have, first of all, you have some lovely, great recipes throughout, which is awesome. And you, you offer, you know, natural remedies for certain things. Can you give us a few uh, tips off the top, like some, you know, some natural remedies for some common things that might happen if there's someone out there pregnant and might have uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think morning sickness is probably the biggest symptom that a lot of moms struggle with. Um, And so I would say a lot of times morning sickness, I mean, there's lots of different working theories about what causes it. Um, I think if you're eating a really good diet before you get pregnant, that's huge. Um, There have been some um, studies indicating magnesium deficiency. So that could be something you could work on before you get pregnant. Um, But even when you are pregnant, it's like being sure that you're eating magnesium rich foods. You can supplement with magnesium as well. That's helped lots of moms. Um, you also want to just really optimize your digestion because that can be a big, um, contributor if you've got heartburn or indigestion to morning sickness. So you want to just be eating your fermented foods. You know, some moms like taking a little bit of apple cider vinegar, like raw apple cider vinegar and mixed in water, like about 10, 15 minutes before you eat. This helps to stimulate, um, your HCL production and your bile and it just helps, you know, in digestion. So anything you can do in terms of kimchi or the, um, fermented foods, or if you take HCL supplements, um, all those types of things to optimize your digestion. Um, there's even a new, uh, there's a, a bitter by urban moonshine, I believe is a company and they've made a special bitter, um, concoction that's safe for pregnant women because a lot of times there's certain herbs and traditional bitters that are not safe. But that's another great tool um, is to take a little bit of that in water and it stimulates, again, your bile, your digestion. So that would be something I would definitely recommend. Um, a lot of moms find relief by taking B6, vitamin B6. I remember with my second pregnancy, I had, um, with my first, I really didn't have much of anything. But with my second pregnancy, I had more nausea. Thank God I did not throw up, but I still just didn't feel great. And so I started taking um, 50 milligrams of B6 with my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it made a world of the difference. I mean, just, in fact, when I would forget to take it, it I'd start to feel like, ugh, again. And then I would just go back on it, and I'd feel good. And I mean, the good news is most women, you know, it's only from usually a week, from about week six or seven to about week 12 or 13. So it's not a tremendous, you know really a long period of time, but it can just be intense when you're in it. Um, so those are some things that can help. 
there's also been, a, you know, kind of a, actually a small study, but a really conclusive study that um, ties morning sickness with an overgrowth of um, a bacteria in your belly, basically, um, at H. pylori. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but um, yep. So you might need a little couple drops of oregano oil or some probiotics and get that gut. Yeah. So I would say, you know, of course this is again, if you can check this before you give birth, that would, you know, before you get pregnant, that would be great. But, um, when you, when you are pregnant, unfortunately you can't take a lot of, you know, intensive things, but definitely probiotics and actually coconut oil. There's something, you ah, know, that, there you go. yeah. And some women will take monolaurin as a supplement, which is a component of coconut. Um, of course you want to get approval with your midwife or your doctor, but some women swear by it. I mean, these are women that have like severe, severe morning sickness to the point where they're sick the whole entire pregnancy. They lose mm -hmm. weight when they're pregnant and they start incorporating monolaurin or the coconut oil, um, and treated that H pylori or got it back to, you know, not an overgrowth and it was night and day difference. So, and I want to throw out on that note too. Sometimes uh, really horrific morning sickness, according to Dr. Forsman, the doctor on um, my book said, is often related to elevated reverse T3 in women. Okay. Yeah. And so, right. So it's a good thing. Obviously, women should know that to get their thyroid checked regularly. But that could all, if you're having real severe problems, you might want to see someone who can assess that and then can help you on that level too. Um, yeah. Coconut oil is just a miracle. It um, is. <laughs> it is. Just throw in your smoothie, you know, put it, uh, slather it in everything that you cook and eat with. It's, it's a great tool. Let's talk about the benefits of breastfeeding that we don't know other than what I just mentioned in terms of helping the baby's roof of the mouth form properly and all of that. Yeah. I mean, breastfeeding, I mean, that's even, that's so mainstream now, thank God. You know what I mean? Like it's known now that breast is best, that it's so beneficial. I mean, it's really great for the baby for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, the colostrum, which is that pre-milk that um, kind of the mom produces the first couple of days postpartum is unbelievable. In fact, I worked with this one lactation consultant and she was like, you know what, this is actually, she believed, now this is, you know, probably other lactation consultants wouldn't agree with this, but she believed that giving baby that colostrum those first several days um, was more important than even breast milk. So that like she would prefer to see a baby that had that colostrum the first several days and then went to formula versus some a baby that started with some supplementation and some formula very early in the first couple of days, um, which can happen because if mom's milk's not coming and blah, 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 they can rush to supplement um, and then goes on to breastfeed for the rest of the, you know, child's, um, you know, pre-milk uh, period, which I just thought was fascinating. But I mean, colostrum really helps with the gut lining. It's loaded with antibodies. It's um, helps. It basically is like the beginning of their immunity, you know what I mean? And giving the baby their immune system and informing their well, immune Now, system. what exactly is that? So if it's a pre-milk thing, then what is it? Still a secretion that's coming out of the breast that's not milk, but the baby still sucks on it. And so they're getting the call. Okay. And it's very, very little. And that's a, the reason why a lot of people freak out like, oh my gosh, my boobs are so soft. They're not full. It's so little that's coming out. A baby literally needs like teaspoons. You know what I mean? When it's first born, like mm -hmm. with each feeding, it's very, very potent. It's very, very concentrated. And, you know, a baby needs to learn how to suck. You know, it does have a suckle reflex, but it needs to learn how to activate it and to, you know, it's, it's actually a lot of work. You know, my mom used to say like, this is baby's exercise, you know, and my babies used to mm -hmm. sweat when they would nurse because it was like, they were really working their jaw. And like you mentioned, that's so important for their palate and their jaw formation. Um, so breastfeeding. So anyway, so that first milk is super important. And if you can, 
you know, some hospitals, like if you, you know, kind of whisk your baby off into the uh, nursery and, you know, some, some nurses will actually start to supplement and give baby some formula. And so you just want to be sure you're really clear with them. Like, you know what, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Please do not supplement unless absolutely necessary. And, um, just to be sure that baby is getting that, you know, influx of that colostrum, cause that's really important. And for moms that are, um, uh, tandem nursing, let's say they have an older toddler, you want to be sure that your newborn gets that priority milk at the very beginning. Um, but breastfeeding also can, you know, lowers the risks of SIDS, which is pretty incredible. Um, it also helps baby have fewer dental issues, which, you know, you had already talked about with how it helps to form, um, the baby's jaw. Um, it also helps baby, you know, some concerns with newborns is like they're going to become iron deficient. And that's why baby's first food is often recommended at six months to be rice cereal that's fortified with iron. Well, we know that that's not really the best first food for baby, but that's what, you know, a lot of, um, pediatricians will recommend because they're concerned about baby's iron stores. Well, breastfeeding, your baby will receive influxes of iron through your breast milk. Another thing that you can do to really help with baby's um, iron levels is to do delayed cord clamping. And that's another thing we can talk about. Um, but so that's another benefit. All right. So I'm assuming that means the baby's born, but the cord is still there. It's not cut right away. How long are you letting that go? That seems very creepy. <laughs> the, the visual of that, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, all right. It's a little bit for people probably like, uh, yeah. so what's that about? Yeah. So uh, delayed cord clamping, you know, there's a thing called, I think it's Lotus birth where they literally never separate the cord and they just let it naturally kind of like fall off and it's kind of a, it, it can start to like get gross and I don't know, that's a whole other thing. But no, delayed cord clamping is just basically letting the cord continue to, to continue to pulse. And when you give birth, the cord will be pulsating blood. It's basically giving baby blood. Okay. And that's why there's a lot of, you know, um, people that are huge advocates against early cord clamping because that's baby can earn back like 30% of their blood supply by just letting the cord pulsate and finish giving baby back his blood. Um, so you sh- it usually takes about three to five minutes, um, kind of depending. Oh. Yeah. So it's not crazy. And you're so busy, like doing other things that you barely even notice it. Um, but that's something I really, so that's something you might need to ask, like, Hey, when the baby comes out, can we wait a few minutes yes. before you cut the cord? Yeah. I mean, and this is something that's supported by like, the world health organization. I mean, there's been studies that show that it helps again with their iron stores, for preemies, it's kind of, you know, definitely known that it's really important just for their respiratory health. It can help reduce um, the need for eventual blood transfusions. And there was actually a recent study that came out that shows the kids when they got to the age four, they just so happened to to, um, to review four-year-olds that basically the babies that had delayed core clamping had better fine motor skills and better social skills than those babies that did not have the delayed core clamping. So this is something... That's interesting. I know. And this is something like, I was going to go through this whole thing with you about just simple things that hospitals could implement that could make a really big difference, regardless of how the baby comes into the world. You know what I mean? Whether it's cesarean or um, whether it's, you know, a vaginal birth, you know, uh, with the exception of if there was some, you know, medical emergency, obviously some of these things couldn't be done, but delayed core clamping is something that is very simple. It should be practiced in most births and it's not being done. And most hospitals, they're clipping it right away. That's just kind of the way it's always been, the standard of care, even though all these organizations are now supporting the delaying of the core clamping because of all the benefits. Yeah. I mean, it seems like doctors should be jumping on that bandwagon as well. That, that's a very simple thing. Yeah. That they yes, can do. exactly. Uh, by the way, if I pass out during this conversation, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I mean, oh, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a oh God. I just want to say to every woman out there who's ever given birth, oh, bless you, people, Oof, including my mom. Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, I also love. I want. I'd like to get into this little aspect of it. I really love the whole birth affirmations mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because there there is a spiritual psychology, you know, psychological side of this thing that you can develop and foster. There's fears. I know a reproductive psychologist who literally helps women get pregnant if they have infertility issues because there might be something from their past blocking that or a relationship issue, etc. So, I'm all for that, especially during pregnancy. You know, we know a lot of people with stress can't get pregnant and the stress of not getting pregnant, etc. So, I love anything that's positive affirmations and heading in that direction. So, if you could just give us a few thoughts on that. Sure. Yeah, you know, with my first pregnancy, I'd heard about positive birth affirmations and kind of training your mind. And so I kind of started doing them very late in my pregnancy and they just seem a little bit woo woo. And I'm like, I don't know if this is really working. And I don't know, just, and I, maybe it was the track that I was listening to just didn't resonate with me. And I think that's really important for any mom is to find something that resonates with her. You know what I mean? So she doesn't feel like this is, I don't know, just doesn't feel real or just feels goofy or whatever. So I didn't really practice them my first time around. And boy, do I wish I did because birth really is a mental game. I mean, it really is about mental toughness. And when the going gets rough, you need something to fall back on. You know, your spiritual connection is so important. And in fact, you know, when I was like in the throes of labor and I was in transition and I was delirious and I was telling people I'm going to go to bed, I'll wake up and I'll deliver him in the morning and just crazy (laughs) talk. This one nurse, she was like just a nurse that worked in the hospital. She looked at me and she's like, Genevieve, she's like, you can do this. You need to focus. She's like, you're so close. Let's do this. And I mean, something about it, she like slapped me in the spirit. Like I just needed that to be like, whoa, you're right. I'm so close. Let's finish this off. You know what I mean? So another good reason to have someone there, whether it's a friend who's experienced or a doula, like you said, yes. to just be there for you to just, cause some people might want to give up with you too. If, if, if your partner is seeing you in pain, they might go, all right, well, you know, and try to, you know, backtrack versus someone who's already been through it. Who's going to be like, Nope, you keep going. <laughs> you know, exactly. I needed that. I needed that. I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you woman. And I was like shortly thereafter I delivered my baby. So yeah, a mental game is super important, a spiritual game. So the second time around, I definitely got into the birth affirmations. I read every single night my birth affirmations. I'd say them to myself. I prayed over my baby. Um, and then when I act and I listened to them and oh my gosh, I got so into it. And so that's why every week we do have a birth affirmation for mom to say, we actually created birth affirmation cards. We're like so into birth affirmations. We created these really gorgeous cards. We had an awesome illustrator make them up and they're kind of like, you know, Louise L. Hay, like you pick a card and there's like a little, you know, little, I love Louise Hay. I mentioned her in my book. She's yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Can you give us a couple? Can you throw out a couple? Sure. Let me just, uh, flip some up. Here's one. Um, I envision a natural, peaceful birth. Pregnancy is not a medical condition. It's a beautiful yet completely ordinary part of life. I like that. That'll dispel a little fear there too. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, my second birth, I mean, I remember I was in labor and I put on my little MP3 and I'm listening to these things and I just literally was like blissed out. I mean, it was like almost joyful in my, in the midst of contractions, um, because I was just so connected to God and just felt like, I don't know. So yeah, I highly recommend moms having some kind of way, whether it's their faith or their, you know, however they plug in, find a way to get to your happy place. You know what I mean? Practice it when you're pregnant. You know, a lot of times deep breathing goes right along with that because that's going to be a really powerful tool when you're laboring. Yeah, this is a, gosh, there's so many aspects to every 
stage of this even and the, and you even talk about decorating a nursery so i just want to just share with everyone how comprehensive this book is it's really comprehensive <laughs> um and i love that you threw in a bacon and collard greens recipe because that's one of my favorites um and you have some really yes. good recipes in there and of course you talk about yes. you know health and stuff like that let's get into this whole thing of like i'm pregnant and now i'm eating 500 tubs of ice cream because i feel like i can so there's some eating issues that could come up or some cravings and things can get out of control but you talk about that in your book in depth and if you could just touch on it here that'd be great Sure. Yeah. I mean, cravings, you know, the thing is, if you're eating a pretty clean diet, I really believe in cravings. For example, I remember when I was pregnant with my second child, I was craving milk and I do not like milk. I don't drink milk. I, you know, I just don't, it's not part of my diet. Well, you know what? In that first trimester, it was like liquid gold. I could not get enough of it. It really helped with my heartburn. It was just really nourishing. And of course, I got farmer fresh milk. I found some really, really high quality source of it. And so I drank literally a quart a day for like several weeks. And then once that craving passed, it was right when I got to my second trimester, I never had milk again. So um, other women really crave red meat and they want to have it every single day. Um, other women might crave, you know, sweets, of course, but, you know, that's where you have to be really honest with yourself. If you're craving like Twinkies and Ding Dongs and things like that, well, that's probably more just, you know, emotional or physical, cra- you know, things that aren't going to be nourishing your body. You want to be sure whatever you're going for is in some way nourishing your baby. Um, not to say that you can't indulge and have treats here and there, but you want to be sure the majority of your diet is really nourishing. Right. So and maybe fruit and whipped cream is a better choice and have the donut every now and then instead of every day. Yeah. Yeah. Or a little chocolate or whatever. And so, and we have, we've got recipes for pizza in this book that are healthy and chocolate and fudge and, you know, chips, but they're kale chips, you know, but I mean, we're trying to bring in all the different flavors and all the different tastes, but I say generally most moms, I mean, it's really interesting because you know, when moms get pregnant, all of a sudden they'll lose their taste for coffee. Certain things will just taste disgusting to them. Yes. I have heard that certain smells and tastes like someone who loves fish, but then they'll just be like horrified by it. And, um, actually, you know, the interesting thing on the meat. So, and I love this whole follow your instincts here with this, assuming you've eaten a clean diet and you're in tune with your, your eating instincts. But I knew someone who was a vegetarian for many years and she ate dairy and stuff. She wasn't like a vegan, but she, when she got pregnant, she started literally having dreams where in her dreams, her hands were in a bowl of like raw hamburger meat. <laughs> and she couldn't stop having these dreams. I love that. Yes. And then she finally was like, all right, you know what? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Clearly, my body is telling me something, and I'm going to go have a goddamn burger. Yes. <laughs> Excuse my language. Yeah. And she did, and actually she hasn't uh, gone back to being a vegetarian since, but she really honored that, and it felt right in that moment, whereas maybe six months before, no way an idea or the smell of even meat would disgust her, but here she is, literally raw meat in her hands, and she cannot. It's so amazing, and even though um, I'm not pregnant, I haven't had children, I still have you know, nutritional cravings and I honor them. There'll be a random week where I'm like, I don't know why I feel like I need dates. That's weird. I don't even really like them that much. Or I get into cucumbers for a few days or, and I just honor that. And like you said, with the milk, I've had things like that in life where I'm like, I have no idea why, 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 but I, yes. I'm going to eat it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And you know, that story you share about the vegetarian, that's very common, actually very common. And that's where pregnancy you know, it's a humbling experience. It is a mysterious experience. Like things happen and you just have to kind of roll with it and trust. And, um, you know, even with weight gain, you know, some women that might have body image issues, I actually am, you know, have recovering food issues and binge, you know, I used to be a binge eater 
And so some people have a hard time even with the weight gain and with, you know, and so you really have to just surrender to the process of pregnancy on some level and get the support that you need and trust that your body is doing what it needs to do. I mean, I remember with my first pregnancy, I was like, I gained 35 pounds or something and it was like week 34 or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like 50 pounds in this pregnancy. Like what the, what's the deal? You know? And I just started to kind of feel like, oh my gosh, did I eat too much and doubting and da, 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 da. Well, the last month I didn't gain one pound, you know? And it's like my body it did what it needed to do. Like it ended up being a very healthy. It's like a reset. Yeah, exactly. It's like my body ended up, and I guess what actually what happens is you start to lose amniotic fluid and that's partially why sometimes moms don't uh, gain weight in that last month or so. But, um, you know, it all worked out. It was all great. And that's another great thing about breastfeeding is it helps you burn calories like nobody's business. And um, that was actually one of my favorite parts of being pregnant is after you give birth, you have this like supercharged metabolism. And I mean, you know, nursing full time, like for an exclusively breastfed baby, you're burning about 500 calories a day. So that's like running an hour a day. Um, and so I remember just sweating and like just having this furnace inside of me and I could just put down food. I was eating more than my husband. I mean, it was awesome. And I was losing yeah, weight. Yeah, I've heard that before. I had, a, I had a male friend who called me when his wife was had been breastfeeding. He was like, hey man, I don't know what to tell you, but there should be a book on like, you know, after pregnancy for weight loss, <laughs> breastfeeding for weight loss. He's like, my, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And then with the recipes, like that was something I really want. I'm a foodie, you know, so I love food. I love recipes. I love real food. And so I was like, wouldn't it be fun if we could like for each week have a recipe, but not just like any recipe. We really specifically focused on nutrients that that baby needed during whatever they were developing, you know, cause each week, the baby might be developing like the tooth buds that week or might be developing the brain system. You know what I mean? There's different things, different growth spurts that the baby goes through. And so we handpicked nutrients that supported the baby's growth during that week and then created recipes around them. So it was actually my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the book because it was, you know, kind of a lighter part of the book, frankly. And, you know, we had a lot of fun experimenting with recipes and stuff like that. But I feel like, gosh, I would have loved that when I was pregnant just to be like, okay, here's some foods I can focus on this week. And maybe, interestingly enough, they might even correspond with what I'm craving this week. Yeah, I love that. And you also have, you know, peppered throughout, you've got positive birth and pregnancy stories from women of all backgrounds and all stages of their natural journey. And you also have advice and insights from, you know, certified uh, nurse midwife and a registered nurse, a doula, a lactation consultant. I mean, you've got the whole gamut covered in here. Uh, this, this is a big one. This is like the Bible of it's 500 plus pages. It's yes, amazing. It and I, and I want to say, I say I'm like, this is my third baby. This is my third baby. It was a lot of work. <laughs> hardest, and it was this like is the hardest painful. birth probably. <laughs> yes. 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 No, it's really what you have really done a service to a lot of women. And again, I want to just reemphasize the, the layout, the presentation, the visuals, the uh, illustrations are so helpful in wrapping your mind around this and the way that it's sectioned off. So I, I really highly recommend this as a gift to, I was even thinking, I, was, I know you had sent me the PDF and I was like, I want her to send me a hard copy so I can give it to a friend who's, you know, going to going down that journey because this is a really, really great uh, gift for someone as well. Um, and a new, and, and you know, a newer, better take on some of those old classic ones that are those books that are not going to involve any of the information that you have in here, or you're going to have to buy 15 books, you know, to, to even try to scrape the surface. Um, let's talk about, you've got a lot of, you've got 
YouTube videos that have you know, with over 60 million views. So let's talk about how we can find out more from you and get more information from you. You've got mamanatural.com. Um, and then we have, uh, obviously, you know, your new book, The Mama Natural, A Week-to-Week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. How else can we connect? What are these YouTube videos about? Sure. Yeah. So we actually started out as YouTubers. I was never thinking of having a blog. And when I got pregnant, I just started documenting my pregnancy. And then you meet all these other women that are 16 weeks and 17 weeks and 18 weeks. And it's kind of fun because you create a community as you're going along in your pregnancy. So that's really how we started out. And then we just kind of grew from there. But yes, we have got tons of videos about birth and breastfeeding. Both of my births are on YouTube, um, on our Mama Natural channel there. Um, so you can watch all of those. We also have like a free week to week email series. Cause that was a big thing when I got pregnant, I'm like, okay, I want support. I want to get plugged in. And so I signed up for like a website that had a week to week email thing that they sent you out. But it was all again, from that medical fear based, you know, very intervention focus. And so we created one that's a lot more, um, natural focused. It's fun. You actually have a little video of me when I was pregnant during that particular week. So moms can sign up for that at mamanatural.com. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically if you go to our website, everything is there from our birth affirmation cards to the actual book, to the free week to week signups, to the articles on everything from delayed cord clamping to vernix to eating your placenta to anything around <laughs> pregnancy and birth. Like, yeah, <laughs> we, we didn't touch on that. Maybe not. Cause I might pass out. Um, that's great. And I'm assuming we can also find your book on Amazon and elsewhere. Yes, right. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Now, on your website, can can we ne- connect you on social media um, from there, or do you want to let us know what your in- handles are? Yeah. So you know, my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest is all just Mama Natural. So it's M A M A, and then Natural. Um, those are my handles for all of those different um, outlets, and that's my YouTube channel as well. So. This is great. Honestly, this is really just such a wonderful piece of work. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience or or, or leave with anyone out there before we go? Well, thank you so much for just for your kind words, Ellen, for having me. And I would just encourage um, people to consider, even if you're not pregnant, just to have this as part of your library because... Uh, or even donate it to your local library because we're just trying to get the word out, you know, that natural birth is not something to be feared, that it's so beneficial, that it's kind of like letting women take back this beautiful rite of passage. And so um, consider gifting it, consider keeping it for your own library, donate it to a church, donate it to a local library, just to get the word out, or even just give it to your OBGYN when you go for your annual pap smear or whatever. So just something to think about. And, um, you know, we're just really excited about the material and think it can help a lot of women. Oh, I absolutely believe that. Again, Genevieve Howland of uh, mamanatural.com and the book, The Mama Natural, A Week-to-Week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Al. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here, and I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. 
The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit primalhealthcoach.com and subscribe.